Uh, privilege to be here again uh, this morning. Um, I don't know for whatever reason I, I feel very energized this morning. Probably it's like you feel after a big win or something like that. But uh, it's like that. <laughs> but the, um, I really wanted Wales to win yesterday. Really wanted Wales to win. Yesterday. Didn't happen. Um, so yes, as uh, as you were saying that we're going to continue in the series on on Ephesians today. Um, I earlier this week I was asked uh, by the elders, so are you right for Sunday? What are we were talking about, and I said uh, I'm going to label the dog. So what? And I could see the eyebrows go, Andre, what are you on about? Um, and it's really something that that's in my heart is to is for us to talk about. What does it mean when we hear these amazing teachings uh, from Scripture? How does it change our lives? Um, so it may feel a bit harsh when I say that. <laughs> the other day I also realized, you know, living in a different culture, yes, we, we kind of speak English, us uh, lot from South Africa. Uh, we don't always get it right. And one thing that we often say to people is when they tell us something, we say, well, that's interesting. And in our culture, that really means I'm interested. But I've come to learn that many times in England, that actually means exactly the opposite. I uh, don't care at all, don't talk to me about this again. Um, so, so when I then come up with phrases like this, so what, that I realize that I need to be culturally sensitive in terms of what we do in, uh, in this world as well. So if you hear anything today that you think he's completely off, please, um, Come and challenge me and be maybe able to sort it out uh, afterwards. I realized that I could also have said here, so that, and ask that question. So if we go through Ephesians and we read what the Lord has done for us, there is a very big so that in there. And that's what I would, would like uh, to explore as, as we go through that uh, today. So, so this bit we've just inserted, so um, that's the other thing today, we may be on a, on a jolly ride, I'm not quite sure where it's all going to go, um, that's the way Jeeves prayed before the service, that everything will go different to what I planned, so this may be one of them. Um, I didn't um, plan to read um, through Ephesians as we've done before, but I feel the power of Scripture when we read it ourselves. So what I'm going to ask you to do now is that for everyone to take out your Bibles in whichever language that is, and I want you to read out loud. It's going to be on the screen as well, but I want you to read out loud, not shout at us, but hard enough that you can hear your own voice. And if there's someone next to you that you need to read to, you can do that as well. But I want us to just read Scripture, and I'm looking to the wrong book to come from the room as we go through that. And we all read that. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will call words out in that scripture to you today. So rather than me reading it to you, be in scripture and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. You may be able to end the service after that. Okay. Right. One, two, three. Let's go. I want you to hear the rumble. Thanks, 
something that we often do in our connect group as well is that we just open scripture and we just read and we allow the Holy, Holy Spirit to speak to us through that and I, I will encourage you to do that uh, it's helpful often to have a guide as we read but scripture is alive and the Holy Spirit often speaks to us very very loudly through that um, so we've obviously been on a wonderful journey as we've discovered what Ephesians 1 is giving us and we as you know we in the of Ephesians, we're not done with Ephesians 1 yet. Um, and in preparation for today, because I've traveled a bit for business, I've missed a few of the sermons. So I went back and listened to all the preachers again since we started, since Ian took us through the overview uh, in September. Uh, and just a little tip on YouTube, you can actually listen at two times the speed and, and <laughs> get through the sermons quite quickly, but you can still take it in. Um, and actually, before I carry on, I just want to say that today I'm going to invite you um, at one stage during service to come and share some faith stories, some moments of faith where the fingerprints of God is on your life or someone that you um, had engaged with in, in some way. So I want you to think about that. Think about those moments of faith that the rest of the church should really hear. And I'm going to give us time to, to hear some of those stories. Um, here today. Um, so if we um, if we revisit our journey just really briefly um, as to where we come from now, I'm going to look at a few of the verses just to highlight some of the journey that um, uh, the other elders have taken us on. So in Ephesians 1 verse 3, we read this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. That is every spiritual blessing in Christ. Do you remember that we are chosen, that we are holy, we are blameless, um, adopted in God's family in accordance with His plans, sealed by the Holy Spirit for those who are in Christ? This is a message for believers that Paul is giving to the believers. These blessings are the fruits of something else. Where, where does it actually come from? In verse 10, it says that they were planned by God purposed by God, 
willed by God. For what? The result of it should be the outpouring of glory to God. And that really is what, what I want us to focus on a lot today. So Ian reminded us that Paul actually wrote this letter while uh, in house arrest. He suffered for his faith, but still he's able to write one of the most uplifting messages to believers who found themselves in a, uh, in a place that was really difficult, it's idolatrous, it's, uh, it's a different environment that they were in. Something that perhaps we can identify with where we are today. Certainly, our beliefs and our values could be considered very counterculture if we look at what's happening around us today and the things that we have to face uh, every day. Then Adam unpacked the spiritual blessings in a spectacular way for us. I mean, they are very distinctly different from the blessings of the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 28, um, God explains the blessing of the Old Covenant. They were all physical and they were given, given based on the obedience to God. Now we're in the New Covenant, where we are new creations. Our hearts are renewed. God's blessings come to us in a very different way. It comes through the love of Jesus Christ. So we follow Jesus because we love Him. Not because I need to obey Him to avoid curses. The material blessings of the Old Covenant were all temporary, but the spiritual blessings that Paul writes about here are eternal. Jesus very helpfully um, gave, us, gave us this to remember the core message of, the, of, the, of Ephesians as well. So, uh, looking at the letters of Christ there, we have that we are chosen by God, nothing through my own works. The handiwork of God, again, not something that I could have, could have done. Redeemed by Jesus. No, I didn't have to pay a price. Jesus did that for me. The inheritance from God, again, it's freely given. It's not something I deserve. It's something that God uh, gave me. Seated with God. What a privilege. Freely selected to be in God's presence. What a privilege. And to be the temple. Free indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The promise of Jesus that we will not be on our own when he departs. We have the Holy Spirit with us. Yeah. And in verse 7 and 8 we read, In accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us yeah. with all wisdom and understanding. God redeemed us only because he is abundantly wealthy in grace. His mm -hmm. undeserved kindness. Grace is not a kind of strength we receive through the sacraments we do in church so that we can live better lives. God's grace is a costly gift from Christ. So, when I was going through this and really being uh, uplifted in my spirit through going through uh, all of that teaching and the truths that we've had, it, it did leave me with a number of questions. And that's perhaps where the so what came from, or then the so that. How has the teaching in Ephesians changed my life? Am I serious about eternity? Is my faith actually visible? What is God's plan for my life? How does my life bring glory to God? If that is what that all is about. Now obviously one way uh, of our lives bring glory to God is through destiny. So this is that moment where I really want to invite people to come in 
share stories of faith. Um, so I'm going to allow a bit of time for people to, to do that for us. Two or three people that just want to come and share with us where they experience God's fingerprints on their lives or a situation. I'll help you a bit and I'll tell a short story of something that happened for me or perhaps for our family. So um, living in South Africa and we uh, kids were still really small and a swarm of bees, some of you may have heard the story, a swarm of bees moved into our house, the roof. Okay, so which is not ideal if you've got small kids, and especially with other families visiting, and there's always kids running around in the garden. Uh, so I started to phone around to, to beekeepers and so on because there's, so there's a swarm of bees to be removed from our house. Um, I didn't get many takers. One person came to, to look at it and he said, uh, too dangerous, it's high up, it's a double story house, too difficult, can't do it, and all kinds of things. So one day I was standing there and I was looking at the bees coming out doing their business uh, and I started to pray and I said to God, God, I don't have anything against bees, but these bees is not welcome in our house. They are dangerous, they are uh, a threat to, to the kids. Can, can you please sort it out for us? And while I was praying, um, some more bees came out of the roof and the whole swarm of bees started to sort of circle. And the next moment, they took off. And that's the last we saw of the swamp bees. I, I told the story to a beekeeper, and he told me, don't worry, I'll be back. They do that. They, they never came back. So that, to me, is a fingerprint of God on our life, where he looks at something as small as that and found a different home for the bees. Right. Some stories. There you are. Brilliant. Here they come. Um, as some of you know, we there, I had a time where maternity leave was coming to an end, and it was, do I go back to work? Am I going to be able to go back to work? Those sorts of questions were coming in. So I've been praying, and I've had other people pray for me, and they were like, whichever path you pick, God will work it out. So I was like, okay, okay. So. I went to have a meeting with Trinity and they were sort of like, well, you could come back, but we're not sure whether you can have your exact role or something similar or whether we're going to have to redeploy you. So that was a bit of a moment where I was like, okay, God, you've really got to like sort this one out for me. And then I went in with Gemma and we had a meeting with the HR department and they were very clear, it's very unlikely you're going to get your role or similar. So it was like, okay, God, do I stay? Do I go? What do I do? Then the day before they were actually going to call me and tell me that for definite, I got a phone call from the deputy head who was, we've just had someone in your department hand in their resignation. They're on a part-time contract. Therefore, we could give you part-time hours in the same department. Your role's slightly different, but it's essentially the same. So I was like, okay, but clearly wants me back there. But our next stumbling block was nursery with Judah because if you know the Sevenoaks area, most of the nurseries are full literally as soon as the woman's pregnant. Like people put their name on a waiting list. So I got to the nurseries and we were getting emails back going, not until September 23. And I was like, well, we need November 22. This really isn't going to work. So we were praying and stuff. I went to one nursery, really didn't like it. And then two other nurseries that I did like just happened to have places for different reasons. So God was completely faithful in that whole situation, wow. and I'm now back at work. Wow. Judah's now settled at nursery, so God does move. Yeah. <laughs>
This is just a story of, um, I think, God's faithfulness to me over sort of 20 plus years, really. I, I, um, I felt myself out of work a number, number of years ago, 20 plus years ago, and, and ended up using my hands and becoming a decorator and a carpenter and all sorts of things. And that really worked well for me for a number of years. And then I, um, but at that time, but obviously you got to sort of work, you obviously have to have regular work coming in. And I guess this is just a story really of, of how God has taught me to rely on him for work and provision over those years. And, and you know, obviously I did have, I have had a period of without work, but um, um, I, yeah, I, and obviously, you know, I have to do the normal things like advertise and, you know, it's word of mouth and all that. But um, just as, without going into all the ins and outs, you know, I have learned over the years to trust God very much with provision for my work. And, and it's become almost second nature to me, if you like. That's not, you know, I, you know, faith that's, I, you know, there's residual faith, I believe, I believe that, that God will provide. And since the first period where I worked for myself, I've then gone into counselling uh, after a number of years. Um, and that was, um, you know, well, actually, some of that was voluntary, actually, but then I've had paid jobs in it as well. But on two occasions since then, including this last year, when I've had to sort of step back from the counselling because, you know, I just needed some, some space. The, the, the decorating has, you know, well, A, God's given me the skills to do it, but the, the, the decorating has just um, provided me with an income. And God has always, it, what's amazing about it is that it just seems that you can ask Kari, it just seems to sort of come in at the right time, I suppose, yeah. is how I put it. I can find myself you know, I have like, you know, an artistic job comes in and then that's coming to an end and then another one will appear. And sometimes what will happen is I'll have nothing happen for a couple of months and then the phone will ring, you know, and then it'll fill up the next few months. And so I just have found God uh, to be really faithful in relation yeah. to my work really over the years. Hello, good morning, everyone. I have a very um, short story, but it's um, just tapping into what Marcus just said. As many of you may know, I grew up in Nigeria, went to secondary school in Nigeria, went to uni in Nigeria, got to third year of my university, and I wanted to get to Cambridge. But my parents were not parenting needs. My dad was late at the time. I got an admission in a former life. I was only here to finish. But I really wanted to go. I was a Christian in university and I believed. But my mom insisted you must finish university in Nigeria. So I had to do one more year. Cambridge agreed to extend my admission. Second year, the admission came, no scholarship. I told my mom I really wanted to go. She said, I don't have money. You can't go. I couldn't do your NYC. When they did my NYC, I came back, I applied again, I got admission again. I still on scholarship. And when I walked into my mom's office, she, at home, she does things at home. I said, I really want to go to school. She said, but I don't have money. I said, okay, I've heard you. Well, let's just sit down and pray together. And I want you to believe with me that I'll go to Cambridge. She said, if it's to pray, you know, I can pray really hard. So let's pray. Over the next three weeks, we knelt down together very early in the morning, 3 a.m. before I go to work. I'll pray. 
He says, your child wants to go to Cambridge, God, please provide. And I believed that I was going to go to Cambridge. Still, the scholarship did not come. Then one Saturday afternoon, a family member walks in and says to my mom, oh, you know, I went to the bank this day, they called my uncle's name, but I also had your husband's name. And I was there while my mom was getting the story. And she looked at me and I looked at her. And we knew that this was a miracle. We went to the bank. The institution fees for Cambridge was 20 pounds. It was clear what God was doing. I'm not here by mistake. You're not here by mistake. If you lay it in your heart, it's God speaking to you. It may not be possible by everything you see around you. But it just gives me that assurance that every step we take is not by mistake. And that gives me confidence as well as I go along in life. And if he's laid it in my heart, he will provide me. Thank you. Wonderful. but can I get my phone back, please? <laughs> 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 wonderful, wonderful. And, and what Gabriel said there at the end, I think that's the important thing uh, for me as well, is that we're not uh, we're in the place because God wants us to be in a, in a specific place. Um, and, and, and some of these stories are the stories that will also lift other people's um, spirit. And um, we need to continue to tell these stories. We need to also tell these stories outside of church. Um, and it's fascinating to me that when we share some of this, uh, these stories and, and they certainly more that happened in, in our life as a family. Um, some of the are far longer, so I don't have the time to really go into that. But things that we then can look back at as well, and those are faith beacons for us at the times we're in a place of desert or where we're really wondering why is this answer not coming? Uh, why is it not coming as soon as we, we want it? The Lord has been on, on an amazing journey uh, with us as a family uh, through that. So recently I uh, visited Toronto and on my return, someone asked me the question, so what does church look like in Toronto? And my immediate response was, well, I didn't see a church in Toronto. Now, admittedly, I didn't go and look for a church. That is to be said as well. Uh, there are many church buildings. But it made me think, what does church look like in Seven Oaks? I can see church buildings. But can I see church? If we don't go looking for it, will we find church in Sevenhouse? What does it mean for us that church should be visible? I was reminded of this scripture in Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds, not for you, and glorify your Father in heaven. 
So whether you feel your life is overwhelming or underwhelming or just coasting along, God never intended your life a comfortable and a safe faith. He wants to take you on an adventure. He wants to show you how absurdly, unbelievably good He is. But you can't do that as a couch potato. We have to step out. He's inviting us to live a ridiculous faith. And stories like this is where we really trust the Lord for things to happen. He's starting to build that. But for that, we need to step out. And it can be small things. Um, now, when I talk about a ridiculous faith, I mean, ridiculous is defined as absurdly and unbelievably good. And that is the kind of faith I believe God has called us for. Faith that is supernatural from start to finish, divinely breathed, that faith that breaks the constraint of human belief. Dynamic faith that demolishes fear and indifference, makes it possible for us as flawed, ordinary people to do God's work here on earth. Faith that does the impossible. You know, the ark building type of faith, the sea parting type of faith, the lion taming part of faith. And that is possible for us. The other day I was just uh, uh, thinking about Noah's story again. I was thinking about Mark who recently built the rowing boat. Um, and I, I was wondering, I should have a conversation with Mark just in terms of the complexity and how he had to go about to do that rowing boat. And they tried to translate that into Noah's Ark that according to the Bible took him 120 years to build uh, because God said it was going to rain and according to scripture up until that point it didn't rain. So we didn't even know what rain was, but God said go and build this. Um, I'm sure he didn't go to B&Q and say, okay, I need some supplies here. Um, you know, what a faith journey uh, he has been, been on to do this. And I believe that's what God is calling us uh, out for as well. In Hebrews 11 verse 6 it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Our Heavenly Father, I believe, wants to show us even the unseen faithfulness. Those small things that happen, I, I've often, and I think I've shared it here as well, uh, face a difficult meeting when I, when I uh, at work, and I will pray to God to help me through the meeting. And very often it goes smoothly. Do I then remember it? Do I call it out? Do I say to people around me, you know, I prayed for this meeting and God was in it? How does our faith become visible? How often are there small things that happen that we just don't recognize? That's God just touching us. God's humor in our lives sometimes. Now, if we want ridiculous faith, we need to find and climb our mountains. And I take that from the fact that Moses went and spent 40 days on the mountain to see God. The size and quality of our faith is directly related to how well we know God. I believe we need mountain moments. We need time in nature. We need time alone. We need that time with our Creator. When Moses came down from the mountain, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord, and they were afraid to come near him. That's what it says in Exodus 34. Moses actually had to wear a veil over his head because he was freaking people out with, the, with what he looked like. 
Um, but that can happen. We don't need to freak people out, but that can happen when we start uh, spending time with God. Our faith becomes visible to people around us. We are changed and people will see it. If we desire ridiculous faith, we have to do some serious talking and some serious listening to God. That will empower your prayer life. I know it will. It, it will empower your beliefs. It will minister to your spirit. We need it. We can't operate properly without it. Our faith will never become empowered if we don't personally experience our absurdly, unbelievably good God. And we need to trust Him with that. We need to step out. How difficult is it? I mean, I'm going to go to another scripture because where do we find Jesus around us? Jesus gives us a teaching in. Um, that's not the one. I'll get to that now. Um, but in Matthew 20, 25, um, well known piece of scripture where um, Jesus says, They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirst, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not help you? And he will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of them, the least of these you did not do for me. You know, there's the positive side of that same story as well. But that's what's available to us, around us. When last did you step out of your comfort zone, give something up so that someone else can be blessed? There's a, there's a charity in um, the US called Skip One. And the whole principle is skip one thing and use that to bless someone else. Skip one meal. Skip one holiday. Skip the You choose. What is there that you can skip? so that you can use that to bless someone else. And it can start small, as we even spoke about, even giving it to the church. There is blessing in that. I see faith is more than just believing and saying you believe. James writes in James 2 verse 19, you believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. Just believing the right stuff is not enough. True faith is believing, and surrendering to that belief. To the point that you're willing to step off the edge and take that unknown step to live in that space of, I don't know where the provision is going to come from. Mark's story um, made me think about years ago when I was involved in a, in a mission organization in South Africa. We were really concerned about the retiring missionaries uh, that came back from the field. and. Uh, so we sat down with them as a board of trustees to learn from them as to how can we plan for the retirement of missionaries um, as normal work people do. It was one of the most difficult workshops with no outcome I've ever had. Because what do you think they told us? God provided the last 40 years. I'm not worried. <laughs> God has always provided. People that step out in faith will continue to tell those stories of what it means to step out. True faith is not just lip service. It's not just magic words said in a prayer. It's surrendering to God and allowing the Holy Spirit to invade us, to live out love through us. True faith is offering yourself as a living sacrifice to your Creator. Paul writes in Romans 12, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
In Hebrews 13 verse 2, we read, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. And for me, the question is, what would your life story look like? Ask God to start a faith movement inside you that will sustain you on your quest to know Him, to follow Him, and for the world around you to glorify Him because of what they see in you. I am. I had another experience, and this is this is a bit. In, in a way, also pointing a finger to me because of not being bold enough. But I just see how God works with the smallest seed. So one of my colleagues who is uh, not a believer, um, and uh, she reports to me, and over the last year or so, a bit more, we've been really talked a lot about her ability to manage her staff and how she could uh, work on the soft skills. So I recommended a few books for her to read, and she carried on and really got into it and studied a lot of stuff. And I, I could see how she was improving and development and it was really good to see from a professional point of view. Until one day she came to me and she said, Andre, I need to have a conversation with you. I've now read many books over the last 18 months. And the books that meant the most, most to me had one common denominator. They were all written by Christian authors. What does that mean? So now we're on a very different journey. Because now she's starting to ask questions. Um, and she was actually at the uh, Connect Group with, uh, uh, with Catherine and Rebecca the other evening, just turning up there, exploring Christianity now. Um, and that was what, what, Lord, what God is doing um, in the lives of people when we do start to speak up and, and live out our faith. We know that um, in, in Hebrews 11, uh, we have the whole long list of, of faith warriors, don't we? I mean, I mean going through, um, because Noah believed, because Abram believed, because, and because of their faith, because of their faith, this happens, and this happens. And then in verse 13 of Hebrews 11, it says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. The life of faith at its core is life that looks forward to an amazing promise that God has given us, but actually comes after death on earth. There are some promises that we find in Scripture that, that is clearly for now. We read in uh, Philippians about the um, uh, peace that transcends all understanding, and James writes about um, having joy in, in the face of tribulation. Uh, so clearly that's meant for now. But a lot of what we've seen in Ephesians as well is the coming king, kingdom, the promises of a spectacular future uh, with God in his presence, in a place that he prepares for us, a mansion far bigger than we can imagine. It's because of that future-looking attitude that we begin to understand that there the real home for us is not here on earth. And if we understand that, that must change our experience. If eternity really makes sense to, to us, seven oaks must see church. It must be possible. How are we going to do that? And um, how are we going to make sure that when people move around seven oaks, that they will be aware of a loving God? Why don't we start a clothing brand? that just 
talks about God faces. Why we don't we put stuff in our cars? I mean, businesses advertise on their cars. Why don't we show that we believe in Jesus? Why don't we create opportunity for people to ask good questions? Why we don't shower signals with the Christmas service and get people here so that they can hear about the love of our God? This is our encouragement as well. Then after listing us all the faith warriors in Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12, we read this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the testimonies that you hear, and I know there are many more that we didn't have time for uh, today. Such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that is so easily entangled. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Let's trust him with that. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, which is the promise for us in Ephesians as well. So how is your week going to look different? Who are you going to talk to this week to show some of God's love? How are you going to make church visible in seven weeks? How are you going to carry your faith in Christ loud and visible? <coughs> in seven Oaks, a few years ago, we said that there were about 3,000 people attending churches out of 33,000 people living in the greater seven Oaks. Sounds to me like there are a few people that wants to see church, needs to see church. It doesn't need to be huge. You don't need to be on the street corner shouting out the gospel. Just think about the kind word you can say to everyone that you encounter. Somewhere someone's going to ask you what is different. And you'll have the opportunity to share Christ. Share the love of Christ. Think about what you seek. What can you do in this festive season to look after someone that is in greater need? Which family needs a meal? Who needs the care? For whom can you be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in this time? Let's pray. Father, we want your fingerprints to be on our lives. We want people to encounter you through what we do. Yes, Lord. Father, not for us, but for your glory. For people to see your love, for people to hear your call, yes. for people to respond to the greatest gift of all times. Father, I pray that you will make us bold. Pray that we will be unashamed believers in Jesus Christ our Savior. Give us strength, Father. We want people to know you through the way we live. I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.